So this morning, we're continuing with our series on Israel. This is message four out of five. And again, this morning, as we have each week during this series, we will be taking your questions. The number's up on the screen. It'll be on the slides as we go through if you want to text in a question. Uh, We're focusing on Israel. And as we do so, we want to remind you that as we are talking about the nation of Israel, these promises flow from a promise that God made to Abraham, which we call the Abrahamic covenant. And just we just need to be reminded of this so that we know it. That covenant is stated and it says that Abraham's to become a great nation. Abraham will be blessed. Abraham's name will be made great. Abraham will be a blessing. Those who bless Abraham will be what? Blessed. Those who dishonor Abraham will be what? And all families of the earth will be blessed in Abraham. You know, part of that blessing uh, we just celebrated this morning in the new covenant, that we are made participants in the new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our salvation actually flows from the Abrahamic covenant. Now, we've talked about the Abrahamic covenant having three main aspects to it, a land, a seed, and a blessing aspect. Land, the promised land that God has given to the nation of Israel. Seed, from it flows the Davidic covenant, the promise to David that someone from his throne will sit upon that throne and rule over the entire world and rule forever and ever And then the new covenant. And we'll see a little bit more about it this morning as well. But there's a question that comes up. And that question is, is modern day Israel a fulfillment of prophecy? Uh, Don Matzett has made this statement. The present day nation of Israel is no more involved in God's plans for the future than is France, England, Germany, and the United States, etc. The teaching of the New Testament is very clear. Jesus fulfilled everything pertaining to Israel and formed the new Israel. Well, really? He's not reading the same New Testament I'm reading. As we looked at last week, God is not done with Israel. And we'll look more at that next week when we look at Romans chapter 11. To say that the nations of today are just as important as Israel is to forget that Israel is mentioned thousands of times on the pages of Scripture. You know how many times France is mentioned? Zero. You know how many times the United States is mentioned? Maybe there's one reference to it, and that's a maybe. In 1946, there was a book written by William Thomas Rouse. It was entitled God and the Jew. And it was a book on why the nation of Israel would never become a nation again. 
chapters in that book were God and the rejection of the Jewish nation. Paul's teaching God's rejection of the Jewish nation. And there will be a cha- there's a chapter entitled, There Will Never Be a National Restoration of the Jews. The copyright on that book was 1946. You remember what happened in 1948? Israel became a nation. The author, unfortunately, died before he saw his whole book disproved. Now, you can have a little bit of understanding for Bible teachers from 70 A.D. until 1948, who as they read the passages that referred to Israel, and Israel being a nation, struggled with that because of why? There was no nation of Israel. But all of that changed in 1948. And this idea of Israel being back in their land is actually prophesied in the Word of God. So I invite you this morning to take your Bibles and join me in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 724. I encourage everyone to have a copy of the scriptures in front of them, whether it be a book or whether it be electronically. But have a copy of the scriptures in front of you this morning. This morning we're going to see Israel in their land and how that is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to see a vision that Ezekiel has. It runs from verses 1 through 10. So follow with me as I read verses 1 through 10. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, 
and behold a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. This is the vision that Ezekiel has. You know, Ezekiel saw something like you're going to see on the screen right now in his vision. Ezekiel who is in Babylon, is taken by God, probably just in spirit, to this valley. It's probably the valley of Jezreel because it's just referred to as the valley. And what does he see there in the valley? He sees it just filled with dry bones. And the fact that the, the bones are dry, that they are very dry, means that they've been there for some time. You know, this, this is just like this giant boneyard that is there. And God asks Ezekiel a question, can these bones live again? Now, Ezekiel answers the right way, doesn't he? God, you know whether they can live again. You know, from a human perspective, you would look at this, and if you were asked the question, can those bones live again? The fact that they're dry means they've been there for a while. Our, from a human perspective, would say what? No, those bones are not going to live again. But God speaks to Ezekiel. And God tells him to prophesy to the bones. And as he does, he sees the bones coming together again. Wouldn't that be a great sight to see? I mean, there was a song written uh, years ago that some of you that are older will remember it. It's called Dem Bones. <laughs> Dem Bones, Dem Bones, Dem Dry Bones. You know, they're, they're going to write, you know, and how, you know, the, the foot bone's connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bone's connected to the leg bone, and, and that's what, it's, it's what Ezekiel sees happening. These bones start coming together into full skeletons, and then he sees the ligaments coming in place, and then the skin coming up, up over them but still they're dead. And then God tells him to prophesy and the breath comes and they live. Well, what is this all about? Look at the beginning of verse 11 and we'll come back to it again in a minute. Then he said to me, son of man, 
These bones are the whole house of Israel. What do the bones represent? They represent Israel. You know, it's interesting. I heard a whole sermon preached on Ezekiel chapter 37, and never once in that sermon was Israel even mentioned. You know, the the pastor talked about how God can take things that are dead and bring them back to life, and certainly that's true, that God can do that. The pastor talked about how we are dead in our sins and trespasses and God can breathe life into us and we can live. And certainly that is true, but that's not what this chapter is about. This chapter is about God prophesying that the nation of Israel will come back into their land. They will live Again, And actually, as we're going to see, there are actually two times that this happens, that Israel is gathered in their unbelief, because even after the whole skeleton is put together and the flesh is on it, there is still no life in them. But then the prophet prophesies, and breath is breathed into them, and they come to life. Dwight Pentecost addressing this passage says, Ezekiel 37 deals with the restoration of the nation Israel to her land. This is pictured as a gradual process. For the prophet sees the process of bone being joined to bone, tied together with sinews, clothed with skin. It is the regathering and unbelief. For the prophet observes that there was no life in the assembled carcass. So God brings this nation together in unbelief. So what is the vision's meaning? So Ezekiel 37, 11 tells us that these bones are the whole house of Israel. So when we talk about the whole house of Israel, what does that mean? If you know Old Testament history, you will know that the nation of Israel was divided into two different kingdoms. The kingdom in the north, which was then called Israel. This happened in 931 BC. And the kingdom in the south that was referred to as Judah. In 721 BC, the northern kingdom was carried away into captivity by the Assyrians. In 586 BC, the southern kingdom was carried away into captivity by the Babylonians. Later, we are going to see that in 70 AD, there was a return of some of the Jews to Israel after the Babylonian captivity. And after the time of Christ in 70 AD, the nation was decimated again when the Romans destroyed the city of Jerusalem and tore down the temple. But let's look at the meaning of this passage. Ezekiel 37 verses 11 to 14. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, 
we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. There you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So we see the vision, and now we see the vision's meaning. So the bones are the whole house of Israel. It represents all of Israel coming back into the land. The second thing that is important there is that Israel will be in their land. You know, we talked about that extensively last week. God has promised a specific piece of land to the nation of Israel. And God says he's going to bring them back, and he refers to it as their land. Now, once they are back in their land, then there is going to be a time when Israel comes into right relationship with their God. Make no mistake of about it today. The nation of Israel today is a spiritually dead nation. They are not spiritually following after God. Matter of fact, we've, we've talked before, and I'll reiterate, most of the Jewish people who are in the land of Israel today are atheists or agnostics. They are not following the God of the Bible. And yet God has brought them back into the land. But we will see next week when we look at Romans chapter 11, as is even prophesied here in Ezekiel chapter 37, there comes a time when God will breathe life into Israel. And Romans 11 talks about all of Israel being saved. That is a future event that is going to occur. Ezekiel 36, leading up to this prophecy in 37, talks about that. Follow with me in verses 24 to 28 of Ezekiel 36. God says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and to be careful to obey my rules." You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Do you see that promise? 
that one day they will be in their land in right relationship with their God. Romans eleven twenty six says it. I said we'll look at this in depth next week. And in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. In Zechariah chapter 12, in verse 10, the prophet prophesies, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Israel will come into their land. They will be in their land in unbelief, which will then be followed by a gathering that actually occurs at the end of the tribulation period in which they will come into their land and they will be in belief in their Messiah. Now I make a couple quick observations here. Number one, Israel will first of all come into their land in unbelief. Israel today in their land is the step one of this prophecy. They are gathered there in unbelief. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 11 to 12 says this. In that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people. And he talks about where he will bring them from all over the world back to Israel. But it will be a second time. So Israel, according to the prophecies of the Old Testament, returns to their land in unbelief that is then followed by a time when they will be there in belief as they are gathered there, even in a second regathering that is taking place. So modern-day Israel is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Amos 9.15 says this, I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land. So the promise that is given. So, so what? For us. Why is this important? First of all, it's important because it shows to us God is in control of what's happening. You may think everything's out of control in our world right now. God is in control. And God is moving behind the scenes. And what he has prophesied in his word will come to pass. And then what's really encouraging for us it says we see God keeping his promise to Abraham keeping his promise to Isaac and Jacob and the nation of Israel we can be confident that the promises that God makes to us he will keep I mean I rest on that for my salvation Whoever believes in him will not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. That is a promise that God has made. And our God always keeps his promises. 
Well, we have a little time for some questions here this morning. So, uh, Pastor Bruce, come and hit us with some of the questions here. This kind of goes with what you're just saying, but the question, is God no longer sovereign? I think in regards to the conflict and everything. Yeah. Is God no longer sovereign? If anything, what we see happening proves that our God is sovereign and that he is in control. I mean, you go back before 1948 and nobody believed that Israel would ever be a nation again, except for a few people who were studying their Bibles and read these promises and said, these are the promises that God has made and he will keep them. Okay, someone wrote this. Um, this is a fact on countries, border li- borderlands, Israel never had a total ownership of the promised land. The question, can we see the promised land as a symbolic alliance between God and humankind? Okay, so can we take these promises and say, well, they're really not real. It really does, when it says land, it doesn't really mean land. It's symbolic that God will just some time rule from Israel and rule over the world. Well, that's what some Bible teachers are trying to do. However, I would challenge you, why would God take the time to speak about land and tell us what the specific borders of that land would be if he didn't mean it? I happen to believe that when God says, here are the borders of the land, he means it's land and that's its border. And how many times and how many passages do we have to see that the Old Testament says Israel will be in their land? Israel will be in their land, the land that has been promised to them. So I think this goes back to a question from last week's passage you touched on. How do we know that the prophecy in Matthew was not fulfilled by the Jews in John 12 saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, how do we know, you know, it says that Israel will receive their king. On the day that Jesus rode into the city on Palm Sunday, how do we know that that didn't fulfill the passage? Well, I think there's many ways that we know. Number one, did Israel possess the land that God told them he would give to them? Absolutely not. Also, we looked at the Olivet Discourse, We looked at Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus said they wouldn't see him again until they say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. That was after the triumphal entry. So the triumphal entry of Jesus does not fulfill that promise at all. Okay, uh, someone asked, could you please clarify Matthew 8, 11? I've heard people use it to justify Israeli expansion. Matthew 8, 11 says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. All right, many will come from east and the west. That is talking about the millennial kingdom when Christ will rule and reign and people, Jerusalem, will be in the millennial kingdom and then in the eternal state when Israel comes down from heaven When the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven and settles on the earth, there when Christ rules forever and ever without any end, people will be coming and forth from all over the world. Coming to Jerusalem will continue to be the center of worship in the world. Should Israel go to war to get their promised land back? 
Well, I would say to you, Israel in unbelief is not going to have the blessing of God in trying to attack others to get this land. They've never possessed all the land that God has promised to them. And they never will until Jesus is ruling and reigning. They're not going to be able to acquire this in the flesh just militarily and, and take it. The nation of Israel today is like we saw in the vision. It's the body with no breath in it. They do not have the breath of God and the favor of God within them. So no, they should not try to take this land. What Israel should do today is they should cry for their Savior, Jesus, and put their faith and trust in their Messiah. Does the state of Israel conceding land to the Arabs in peace talks qualify as dishonoring God's Israel by not claiming all the land they're due? All right, so... Would, it, would the nation of Israel dishonor God by giving back some properties now in negotiation with the nations around them? I don't believe so. Because once again, they are there in unbelief. Uh, and, and Israel, they just need for now a spot in the land. And they're in the land, and I don't think they will ever be removed because I think that's the fulfillment of the prophecy of Israel coming back into their land in unbelief. He said there would be two gatherings of them. The first gathering has to happen before the tribulation period. The second gathering will happen as we approach the end of the tribulation period. In regards to that, someone wrote, how do we know this regathering is the fulfillment of this prophecy? Couldn't another exile happen, therefore resetting the stage for this prophecy? Yeah, well, most Bible prophecy teachers will say that the scriptures speak of the two regatherings. doesn't talk about many regatherings there in the land. So the first of these would be what occurred in 1948. The second one will be, as I said, at the end of the tribulation period. Do you believe the church will see Israel come into their land in belief? The church? No, I do not. We will not see Israel in their land in belief this side of the rapture. We'll see it after the rapture when we come back with Jesus. Because when Jesus returns, the church is coming back with him. And so at that point, we'll see it, yeah. But in this lifetime, no. Um, in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27... I've heard this verse preached for us to pray. Is that out of context for believers today? Let me get my glasses on so I can see the passage first. Ezekiel 36. 36, 20, 26, and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. What we're talking about there in Ezekiel 36 is the new covenant. We are participants in that new covenant. Now, its total fulfillment will not come until this happens for all of Israel. But certainly, matter of fact, that's what happens when we get saved. God gives us a new heart. 
The heart of stone is taken away. A new heart is given to us. The Spirit of God is placed within us. Those are all blessings of the new covenant. All the results of what happened from Christ dying upon the cross. Will Israel share the eventual promised land with other nationalities as they currently do? Or will they be the only people in this promised land? Well, I think that you will see that Israel will share the land with all kinds of different nationalities. Matter of fact, sometimes there's a misnomer today that there are only Jews living within the nation of Israel. That is not true. There are all kinds of groups of people who live within the boundaries of Israel. And so it, it would just be, and I'd be careful here, I'm not making a political statement, please understand that, but it would be like not everyone that lives within the boundaries of America are American citizens. There are people that live here who are not. So there will be people living in the nation of Israel. And even during the, the millennial reign, there'll be other individuals and stuff living within the boundaries of these nations. How close do you think we are to the rapture? <laughs> We'd like an exact date, Butch, okay. if possible. Uh, first of all, as close as we can be, I can tell you we're closer today than we were yesterday, but not as close as we will be tomorrow if we wake up and uh, the rapture has not uh, occurred. I mean, we're told that we're not going to know the time. You know, Jesus is going to return. And it's, his return is imminent. There are no signs of it. It could happen at any moment, at any time. It could happen before we finish this service. So if you're listening online and we just suddenly disappear and it's not a, it's not a, a transformer blowing up in the neighborhood, uh, then uh, maybe you better uh, check your Bible real closely. What scripture were you referring to when you said there might be one reference to the United States in the Bible? Okay. Uh, there, there is a, a reference in the scriptures that will talk about England and her cubs. And I'd have to look up the exact reference. Uh, some Bible teachers think that might be a reference. Notice I said might be to the United States and Australia. But that would be it. Uh, one prophecy teacher uh, that I know, he goes around and he has a message that he preaches, America in biblical prophecies. And boy, the people come to hear him. And he gets up and says, okay. He says, I'm going to fulfill my obligation this morning. America in biblical prophecies. There are none. Now, let me share with you what I want to share with you this morning. <laughs> This is a comment. Um, while we should pray for the nation of Israel, we also need to pray for Israeli soldiers and their families. We have a friend whose son is a reservist in Israel in a special unit at the front. He told us he yearns for the time he can sleep peacefully again. Yeah. Listen, people are suffering. There are Palestinians that are suffering. There are Israelis that are suffering. In the, these towns where the... The, the battle is raging. Our hearts go out to everything. You know, a lot of people did not want what's happening 
And they are pawns being used there. And our hearts should go out to everyone who is affected by this. And we should be praying that there would be, we're told in scripture we're to pray for the peace of Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem. We should be praying for that and praying for people on both sides of this conflict. As a matter of fact, that's, we're running out of time here. So I want to end our service this morning just with praying for the nation of Israel, praying for the people there, and praying for our own country and our leaders today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to reveal many things to us in your word. Father, you haven't revealed everything to us, but you've revealed to us what you wanted us to know. Help us to be diligent in studying your word and to be faithful in rightly dividing your word. Father, this morning, first of all, we pray for the return of Christ. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Father, we don't pray that so that we can just escape trouble. But we pray that, Lord, because we look forward to being with our Savior and being reunited with our loved ones who've gone on before us. Father, today you know the great conflict that is raging. Father, there's a conflict in Ukraine as well as in Israel. And Father, we pray that you would bring these conflicts to an end, Lord. We pray for people who are suffering there. Father, we pray that through their suffering they might reach out to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only hope in this life and in the life to come. Father, we pray that you would work as you are sovereignly in control and bring things to a conclusion in both of these wars. Father, we pray for our leaders in Washington, D.C., for President Biden, for those in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Father, we pray that you would give them wisdom and that you would cause them, Lord, to do that which would be righteous because righteousness exalts a nation. We pray, Father, that you would help them as they sort through very difficult situations. And we pray, Father, that you would guide and direct the decisions that they make. Father, we would pray even now as we are in an election year in our country, Lord, Pray, Father, that you would help us as your people not to put our hope in politicians or in parties, but to put our hope in you. And we ask, Father, that you would give us wisdom and that you would move in the hearts of the people of this country in the process that will go on from now through November. And if Jesus tarries, even the vote in November, Lord, you are sovereign and in control of all of that. And help us as your children not to fret or worry, but to put our hope and faith in you. Give us wisdom as we walk in this world and help us that we might share Jesus with everyone. For this we pray in his name. Amen.